I really hope that you enjoy your job, that you have a job that you like. Uh, some of you, you go to, go to work, and you know, you ha- we all have bad days, we all have difficult days, and some days are better than others, but uh, hopefully you get some pleasure out of your job as something that you, you like to do, uh, at, least, at least some part of it. But if you did not receive a paycheck for your job anymore, would you still go? Now, let's just say, you know, for some reason... Boss, you come in, boss says one day, hey, I, we're, I can't pay you anymore. Would you, would you keep going to that job? Most of us, most of us would not. Most of us could not continue to, to do that for a living. How many of you would say, hey, I'm going to get a second job so I can go back and keep on working at my first job that I don't get paid for anymore? Or how many of you on payday would just kind of say, hey, you know what? That's not necessary. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I, I really care about that this time. And, and, you know, I, I'm not here for the money and, and, and I don't need that anymore. And so, so, you know, you just, you, you hold on to that. I mean, how many of you would, would work night and day who would give up your, your paycheck? Just, just, just start working for nothing. How many of you for the gospel would give up your paycheck? How many of you for the gospel would work night and day? How many of you for the sake of the gospel would give up your livelihood, give up all hope of uh, all, all of your, all of your right to be paid, to receive wages for your work for the gospel? Nobody get antsy. You don't have to put your paycheck in the boxes at the end of the thing, but uh, I'm not asking for your paycheck, but I do want you to see someone who gave up their living and gave up their life for the sake of the gospel. And I want you to see someone who gave up their life for sinners so that we might be saved. Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. And there are only two points to the message today. One of them is a minor point and one of them is a major point. And the minor point has to be stated strongly so you, so you get that, and then if you really, really get that, and you accept that, the minor point, then when, when sort of Paul kind of unloads the major point, then it's like a cannonball right in your, in your cranium. I mean, it's, it's just it's something that, that, that you feel, you feel real, the real weight of it. So there's a minor point and a major point. Let me give you the, the first minor point. This is 1 Corinthians 9. The, the minor point, the first point is preachers have a right to be paid for preaching the gospel. Preachers have a right to be paid for preaching the gospel. Now, all of a sudden, it's an awkward situation, isn't it? Okay. I'm, I'm a preacher who is preaching about why preachers should be paid, and you are listening to a preacher preach about why preachers should be, uh, have a right to be paid. Well, let me, let me just kind of preface this uh, real quick. This is a, this is, I want you to catch this first. This is a true, significant, applicable, and minor point. Okay? It's true. We need to believe this. It's significant. It's not just something we need to skim over. It's applicable. Something that we need to do something about. But in this passage, it is the minor point. It's one that you need to get, but it's the minor point. 
Secondly, and, and I, I say this after I, after I preach 1 Corinthians 5, which is on church disciplines, I'm a bunch of people said, so we have some problems around here. You know, is there, there's something going on. So just to, just to make it clear, you know, the, the church is not having any kind of financial hardship and neither are the pastors. Everything's fine. Uh, we have from the beginning, we have preached uh, God's word and we have expected that as God's spirit moved in people, that as they benefited from God's word and as they appreciated God's word, they would contribute to the support of the preaching of God's word. But this is, this is not primarily about getting you to give more. This is more or, or give more to the church or give more to the pastors. This is about you giving your all to Jesus Christ. And also, if you're a newcomer, I just want you to know this is the, we are just going through the book of, of, First Corinthians, sometimes when we talk to people who, uh, lots of people have, have had difficult times in, uh, in churches in the past. And lots of times one of the things they bring up is, is a difficulty they had with the church always talking about money. Well, we don't apologize about talking about money. And, and we're not afraid to talk about money because what we do with our money and our possessions is a significant part of our discipleship. So we cannot say what God says and not say something about money. Like I said, we are not after your pocketbook. We are after your heart for Jesus Christ. And so if, if money is ever a stumbling block to you coming to Christ, you come to Christ. The rest will sort itself out later. Okay. All right. So that's the, that's the minor point. Now then, let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. We'll see that uh, preachers have a right to be paid for preaching the gospel. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, and then we'll go through it a little bit at the time. It says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine my, me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have seen spiritual things among, sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Now, the beginning of chapter 9 is just kind of abrupt. In chapter 8... The topic was, the, the issue was, there are, there were some who were demanding their right to continue to eat some really good tasting meat. They had a chance to get some cheap food, some good food, uh, but it had been offered to idols. 
And so there was a dispute in the church, and really these, the, some of these Corinthian church members were causing their brothers to sin by taking this meat. And so, so Paul had been, been through the series of, of saying, hey, I, if, if necessary, I would give up eating meat forever, into eternity, if it would, if it would benefit my brother, because love builds up. This, this false knowledge that you have tears people down, but, this, but, but love builds up. But then Paul starts chapter 9 with, am I free? It's like he goes a completely different direction. Now, it all ties in together, but he just sort of comes out of nowhere and says, am I, am I free? Am I, am I not, am I not free, to, to do, free just like you are? So you guys in the church, you're, you're saying, I'm, we're free. We're free to do everything that, that uh, God has said is now okay for us to do. If it's not a sin, we're, we're free to do it. Uh, we should be free. Quit trying to quit trying to take away our freedom. And, and Paul is saying, hey, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free just like you are. I'm a Christian just like, like you are. I'm free just like you are. And then he says, am I not an apostle? And he defines what an apostle is. An apostle is, is one who has seen our Lord. That is, the resurrected Jesus Christ appeared to them and specifically called them and told them, you are, you are to go and be my witnesses in the world. This is, this is what I want you to do. So, uh, the, there are still some, unfortunately, who still claim to themselves the title of apostle. But unless the Lord Jesus Christ in a, in a firmly established way appeared to them after the resurrection and said, Hey, I have commissioned you to be one of my apostles for the founding of the church. That is the church, not a church, but the church. If you're not one of those, you're, you're not an apostle. And he also says one of the things that confirms his apostleship is the fact that he even started the Corinthian church. This is his, uh, and he just sums that up. He says, this is my defense, okay? Jesus, I saw Jesus. Now, you can go and check in some place like Galatians 1 where uh, people like Peter and James and John confirmed that, yes, indeed, P, uh, Paul was called to be an apostle. He was called to be an apostle in a way that was unusual for compared to the other apostles, but he was called to be an apostle. Well, he's still stating uh, this, this next part is kind of the, the apostolic bill of rights, okay? This is, this is what apostles have the right to. He says, uh, do, do we not have the right to eat and drink? When Jesus first sent out the, the, the 12, and later on when he sent out the 70, he said to them, when you go into a town, you find a, a person of fee, peace, you find someone who will house you in their home and, and you stay at their house and you eat what they put in front of you. You, you have the right to eat and drink because Jesus says uh, a worker deserves his wages. And so what Paul is saying here is say, he's saying, I am a, I'm an apostle, a preacher of the gospel. I have the right for people to provide food and drink for me. I have a right to, to eat and drink. Have, have a right for this to be my, my work. And not only he says that, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? So not only me, but also my, my wife, my family. He says, says James do that. All, a lot of the, the in, in general, the apostles did that. They had wives and they had families. And, and Paul is saying, hey, I have a right to food and drink. I have a right to food and drink for me. I have a right in food, food, food and drink for, for my wife. We see that, that the apostles, even the apostle Peter, uh, the, the most kind of the spokesperson for uh, the apostles, uh, he has a wife, uh, which which is so. It would be strange that anyone would claim that 
celibacy would be something that would be necessary for for those who are speaking God's word, who are representing God or or or, or doing ministry of the word. It would be a strange thing to say since Paul 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 sees good reason to remain single. He saw that it was a good thing for himself in chapter 7, uh, but it's something that's based on gifting, something that's based on different situations. It's not something that's required even for an apostle. So he says, we have this right. And then he says, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? He says, hey, do, do we have to hold down two jobs? Are we the only ones who have to work two jobs? Do we have to work night and day so that, so that we, can, we can preach the word to people? Are we the only ones? We're the only, we're kind of the second rate apostles. We're kind of the, the, the ones who get kicked around and, and not supported. We, nobody cares about us. We're just, we're just the, the annies of the, uh, of the apostles, apostolic world. I mean, we just, nobody, nobody's watching out for us. Is that, is that how it is? No, no, we, we have a right to refrain from working because our work, our labor is preaching and teaching God's word. Uh, in Acts 6, when the first uh, sort of uh, first deacons are chosen within the church, the, the point, the reason why they are chosen is, so, chosen is so that the apostles can devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. And so they saw that. They, the, the reason why that is is because they valued the preaching of God's word very highly. And so they valued the preaching of God's word very highly. So they said, we, we, cannot, we cannot give up this task to go and do this task. And so one of the reasons why, the reason why the apostles were to give up working was so that they might labor at preaching and teaching God's word. And then he says, it gives this threefold analogy. It gives these three analogies. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Okay. When we think about soldiers who serve in the military, a lot of, many of them do it because they love their country. We often think of, in, in our society, we often think of soldiers as some of the most devoted people in, in, in society. They are, they are laying down their lives to protect other human beings. But they don't carry along their own uniforms. We don't expect them to feed themselves, to t- take care of their own food. We don't pr- expect them to provide their own weapons. No, the the, they are provided for. They do not provide their own provisions. They don't, they don't take care of their own, uh, they don't write their own way. Instead, they work and they expect to receive wages for it. Uh, the second one is, if a, if a guy plants a vineyard, doesn't he have a right to eating some of the fruit? You have to go out there and you get to eat some, maybe you get to keep some, you get to sell some. That, that's your wages. Doesn't a guy who, who works that way uh, get, to, get to receive? And then finally, he says, a, a guy who's got a flock of goats, flock of milk goats. He's, he goes out and milks those goats. Doesn't he, isn't he able to drink the milk? Isn't he able to take some of the milk and sell the milk and, and, make, and make some money off of it? That's, that's expected, okay? You go to work. You're a salesman. You go out and make sales in your territory. You expect to receive a commission. You're a nurse. You go and work your, your shifts. You expect, you expect to receive a paycheck. You're a, you're a builder or a construction worker. You go and work on a project. You expect to receive your paycheck at the end of the project. That's all, that's all Paul's appealing to. He says, first, I've got these rights as an apostle. And look, this is just the way you expect it for yourself. If you're Come payday, if you went to your work and you'd worked for two weeks or a month or however often you get paid, and your boss said, you know what, we decided not to pay you this time, uh, but we still want you to keep working, we're just not going to pay you. Uh, you. You'd be really upset. You would be really upset. 
That's all Paul's appealing to. Now then, if Paul did not use these analogies, I would not be bold enough to use these analogies. Do you know why? I mean, do you see? I mean, not just because they're kind of a little bit foreign to us, but, but he's basically making the, the work of the ministry of the word or of preaching the gospel to be a job or a business. Like, that's what he's comparing it to. He's saying, you do this work, and then as, as workers in all areas of their lot and, and all occupations deserve wages for their work, so you do this work, the preaching of the gospel, and you deserve wages for that work. Now, that's not all that it means to, to be a worker in the word. But what Paul is saying is, hey, this is, this is, this is almost, this is the, uh, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, when you go to work and you work, you expect to be compensated for your work. Well, Paul is just saying, hey, here, here, here I am. Here's Barnabas and I. We're doing work. And we're expecting to receive wages. And that's not illegitimate. Well, he takes it a step further in verses 8 through 11. Uh, he says, am I saying these things on human authority? Okay, am I just appealing to the way things work in the world? No. Moses says the same thing in the law. He says, do not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And he says, is it, is it for oxen only they saying this? His, his idea is, uh, in, in Deuteronomy 25.4, this is the law. This is the first five books of Moses. Moses said, don't, don't muzzle an ox. Uh, you, you let the, while the ox is, is treading out the grain, this would be a way of separating the chaff from the, uh, from the, th- from the kernel. You, you let him eat some of it. Now, in the original context, it is about the, the humane treatment of animals. Like, like it, it would be inhumane to, to muzzle the ox. Not only would it be inhumane, but it would be, it would be counterproductive. Like you're going to get greater benefit. You're going to get more work out of the ox if you let him eat a little bit as he goes. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolute foolishness for you to muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain. And Paul's argument is, God says that about ox. Says that about oxen. How much more should we then pay human beings for their work? Okay, we, we take care of oxen. How much more should we take care of human beings? And if we take care of human beings, material, material goods, how much more should we appreciate those who do spiritual work in return for material support? Well, he says, he goes on, he goes on from there. He says, does, does not he certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope uh, sharing in the crop. That is the plowman. He's at the beginning of the, he's at the beginning of the growing season. He never, he may never get to see the fruit that comes later, but he plows and he plows when he plows, he works and he deserves a wage. Now the guy at the end, he's threshing the grain. He's at the end of the growing season. He's separating everything. He didn't do anything at the beginning of the growing season. But he's working. And so the one who works at the end deserves his wage. But then, then Paul says, then he says, if others, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? That is, somebody does some work for you. Don't you feel a sense of, of that you owe them something for it? I think so. I, I think, I think, I think we kind of sense that. Like you, you come over and do some work and, and I, I know that, I know some people who are like this. Like they cannot just receive something as a gift. 
You know, they, like, if they get something, they're going to find a way to, like, you know, send something back. You know, it's just this, this sense. Well, Paul is saying, hey, if, if, if it works in all these other areas, if it works with soldiers and vineyard keepers and, and herdsmen and, and oxen and, and everything else, we're, we're sowing spiritual things among you. And the, the argument is, the, we're sowing spiritual things. If you, if you, if you exchange, if you give money, if you provide for those who do material things for you, how much more should you provide for those who do spiritual work among you? And I think that really highlights the value of, of the preaching of God's word. How much do you value the preaching of God's word? Is it, is it something that you value? P- place people who value the preaching of God's word support the preaching of God's word. And those who don't, don't. All right, now then, he says, he picks up with the, the next part there. In the middle of verse 12, he says, if others share this right, rightful claim on you, do not we even more. And then he says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Now, this is a hint at the major point, okay? So we've been looking at the minor points that those, that preachers have a right to be paid for preaching the gospel. Now we get to the major point, which is whatever our rights are, we lay them down for the sake of the gospel. And what, what Paul is really doing is he is shaming them because they der- deserve to be ashamed. They are sitting there demanding, demanding, I want to eat this food. They have this craving for meat. And Paul is saying, I'm, I'm giving up my livelihood. You want to eat meat, I'm giving up my right to eat. So he's shaming them. You're demanding your rights. You are destroying your brother by demanding your rights. And look at, look, would you look at what I am doing? That is not the way that I showed you how to live the Christian life. I have not made use of any of my rights so that I would not put an obstacle between you and the gospel. But he's not done with the, the, the argument just yet. He says in verse 13 and 14, he says, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? I think it's instructive there to see how Paul uses the law, how he uses the Old Testament. On the one hand, the law does not directly apply to Christians in this present age the way that it did to the nation of Israel. I mean, we we don't have temples anymore. We don't have priests anymore. We don't make animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus Christ is our temple. He is the meeting place between God and man. He is the priest. He is the one who represents us before God. He is the sacrifice who is who atones for our sins. He has fulfilled all of those all of those shadows in the Old Testament in the law. He has fulfilled all of those, and yet Paul still sees a wisdom or a pattern in the law. And so in the Old Testament, those who worked in the temple, they did spiritual work. They made their, they made their living. They were made their wages from their spiritual work. So no one, so no one should ever say anything like, well, that preaching the gospel is spiritual work. You, you, you shouldn't receive material, material pay for spiritual work. And Paul is saying, no, this is the way that God has always done things. 
He did this in the Old Testament, and this is what he, what he does now in the New Testament for those who preach the gospel. But verse 14 is really the clincher. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Jesus Christ became a human being, was obedient to death, death on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven where he rules over all things for all eternity. He is the same one who is coming again to judge every human being. He is going to judge based on every, every word, every thought, every deed. He knows, he knows everything about man. He is Lord over the entire universe. God has, God has exalted him to the name that is above every name. That same Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So does anybody have a problem with Paul getting paid to preach the gospel? Because I can go back through this again. Okay, that's the point. That's the point you got to get. So he says, so he says, hey, hey, he, he, he says, it's because this is what all the apostles do. This is because all the apostles are, are, are paid for their preaching, for their work. So I should get, I have the right to be paid for my work. All workers have, have a right to the wages for their work, so I have a right to be paid for my work. Uh, in the Old Testament, God, God taught in the law that we have a, a right to be paid for our work, so we have a right to be paid for our work. Uh, the, the priests who worked in the temple, they have a right to be paid for their work. We have a right to be paid for our work. And then he says, even the Lord Jesus himself commanded that we have a right to be paid for our work. So you have to get that point to understand the main point. And I don't want to distract you from that. But I do want to just say just a, just a quick application. We demonstrate what we value often by what we do with our money. And so think of, think of it, the uh, money is, is a, a demonstration of value and it's a medium of exchange. So you exchange your you exchange your time and your energy and your expertise in return for money. You take that money and then you you go and take that money and you spend it on things that you value, goods and services that you value. Now, if we were to look at everybody's money, what they did with their money, uh, we would see that they valued necessities like food and clothing and housing. I think we'd see that you valued relationships like family and friends we would see common things that we typically have in our society like like television and cell phones and uh, and cars what would your use of your money say about your value of the preaching and teaching of God's word that's all there is to say isn't there how do you how much do you value it I'm not saying that you can put a dollar sign on it, but put a dollar sign on it. Is it something, is it something where what you do with your money, it says, we value, I value the preaching and teaching of God's word. I know that I need to hear it. And I know that other people need to hear it. So I'm going to support those who preach and teach God's word. So the minor point is that preachers have a right to be paid for the preaching of the gospel. Now, here's the major point. 
We give up our rights for the sake of the gospel. All rights, any rights. Read verses 15 through 18. Paul says, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. So he says, verse 15, hey, this is this this passage of scripture is not so that you'll start paying me. I, I'm not, okay, I just told you, gave you five really strong, good reasons why I have a right to be paid, but I'm not telling you this so that you will pay me. In fact, I would rather die than give up my ground of boasting. That is, I'd rather die than have you pay me. And I really think it's, I think it's interesting play on words. He says, uh, those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, but I'd rather die than get my living by the gospel, is what he says. I would rather die than do that. And verses 16 through 18 are a little bit complicated, but, but basically just kind of to simplify it, kind of get this in your mind. His, Paul understands his reward as being able to preach the gospel for free. That's his reward. So he says, when he's talking about his boast, his boast is the thing that he's proud of is, or, or the thing that he is, he is gifting is preaching the gospel for free. And so he says, I would rather die than, than having by deprive me of my ground for boasting. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. You have to understand, Paul does not view himself as, as kind of a, a free agent. He doesn't think of himself as someone who is able to, you know, you know, he's got, he's got a bunch of job opportunities out there and, and preaching the gospel seemed to be like the best job opportunity that he could find. You know, it had the, it, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't great pay, but it wasn't heavy lifting. And, and, you know, it was, it was, you know, it, it was just kind of, he wasn't looking at the hours. He wasn't looking at the pay. He wasn't looking at the perks. He doesn't, he doesn't see himself as a free man who just goes and chooses any job he wants. He views himself as a slave. And a slave doesn't pick his job. A slave goes and does what the master says to do. That doesn't mean that, that Paul is not joyfully and gladly doing what the master tells him to do, but he did not volunteer. It was not optional for him. He talks about it as a compulsion. And I think, I think even the, the, what we think of, of the, the desire to preach God's word, I, I prefer compulsion, compulsion language to calling language. The Bible usually talks about calling as what God does to bring people to Jesus Christ. When it talks about people who are preaching the gospel, it is an inward compulsion to preach the gospel. It is like what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 20 where he talks about, there is a fire in my bones. I tried to keep it in. Because Jeremiah didn't really want to preach what he was preaching. I tried to preach it in, keep it in, but I could not. And so for, for people who are thinking about, about a preaching ministry of some kind, that's not all there is to it. There has to be compulsion 
and competence and qualification, but it is a necessary element that you would do it, that, that it, there would be an inward desire, an inward compulsion that I must preach the gospel. And so Paul is saying that. And, and so in the next verse, when he says, if I, if I do this of my own will, I have reward, but if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. That is, if I were doing this voluntarily, then, then I might be able to claim some kind of payment, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it that way. I'm a slave. I have to do this, whether I get paid for it or not. But then he said, so what then is my reward? That is, it's not a, for, for Paul in his thinking, it was not enough to do just the bare minimum. He, he records Jesus as saying in Acts 20, he says, it is better to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the idea behind Paul's thinking here. What then is my reward? That is, how am I receiving a blessing? It's that I get to give it away for free. I get to preach the gospel of God's free grace for free. And so he says, so as that, that in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge. I get to give it for free so that I might not make full use of my rights in the gospel. What is it? What is it that you must have at your brother's expense? For the Corinthians, strange, strange passage. It sounds weird to us. First Corinthians 8, it's all about food, sacrifice to idols. But you got to understand, these people felt like they needed that food that had been offered to idols. They demanded it. It destroyed their brothers. It caused their brothers to sin. It wrecked, it wrecked other people's lives, but, but it was their right. It was their freedom. And Paul says, I would never eat meat again. I, I did, I'm not only giving up sirloin, I'm giving up, I'm giving up everything so that I would not put an obstacle in front of anybody coming to the gospel. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna demand meat? I'm giving up my livelihood. I'm giving up everything. All of my rights, all of the rights that you enjoy every day in the gospel, I gave those up so that I could preach to you for free. And I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to get you, I'm not trying to get you to pay me something. I'm trying to get you to give up your rights for the sake of your brother. Give up your rights for the sake of the gospel. And so he just says, this is, this is my example. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, he says to the Corinthians, he says, imitate me even as I of Christ. You know why he gives up all of his rights? Because Christ gave up all of his rights. Jesus Christ did not, the way that the way it put, Paul puts it in Philippians 2 is he, he did not being God was not something that he grasped onto. It was not something that he was reaching for. Jesus Christ was God. All the glory, all the honor, all the riches of Godhood were his. 
and he became a human being. He became a slave. He became a slave obedient to death on the cross. Where suspended in the air, he was cursed by God for our sins. Paul gave up his livelihood. Jesus gave up his life. What is it that you would hold back from your brother? For those of us who have trusted in Christ, what is it that we have to hold back? What is it that belongs to us? What right is it that we would be so unwilling to sacrifice? Let's be done with it. Is it our independence? Is it, is it our money? Is it our, is it our time? Time and, time and energy to spend on spiritual things? It's, it's just too much. What is, it, what is it that is our freedom that you demand? Give it up for the sake of your brother. Give it up for the sake of the gospel. Give it up for the glory of God to say, this is my, this is God, this is my offering that I want to give to you because I love you. When you do it for your brother, you do it for Jesus Christ. And so there it is. Father, please help us to give up what we hold dear to us that is harming others. Let us hold nothing that harms. Let us Let us instead be willing to give up all as Jesus Christ gave up all for us. Let us not be ruled by our cravings or our desires or our demands. Let us not use our freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh. But instead, help us to humble ourselves and serve others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In